Welcome to ASD Engage, a podcast for families of children who are currently waiting for an autism spectrum disorder or ASD assessment. I'm Dr. Heidi Kiefer, a clinical child and adolescent psychologist. I'm Maureen Mosley, a psychometrist. And I'm Sean Brumby, also a psychometrist. We work on teams that assess children for ASD at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital. Each episode, we will present a topic that reflects concerns brought forward by families we work with. You'll hear information regarding the assessment process and insights and information from a variety of specialists. And more importantly, we'll talk directly to families who share some of their personal stories with us in an effort to help guide you through the assessment process. Welcome to episode one of ASD Engage. In this episode, we're going to introduce you to Adrian. Adrian has two daughters. Her youngest, Amira, was diagnosed with ASD seven years ago. We wanted to start with a chat with Adrian because she is like so many parents who have gone on a journey with a child with ASD, or maybe about to. We think hearing her story can help us dive into more than just the facts and details of assessment and diagnosis of ASD, but the actual experience that a parent and child has. It begins with Adrian briefly telling us about how she became involved with Hall and Blurview. But after that, the discussion turns to Amira's assessment, the weight, and the actual diagnosis. So Adrian, tell us about your involvement with Hall and Blurview. Wonderful. Um, so my both of my kids actually received services here and have for a while. Um, and kind of the minute we walked in the building, and kind of felt that sense of ease in feeling like we were with people who understood us and understood the girls. Um, we wanted to be a bit more connected. I wanted to be a bit more connected. I realized there was this autism research center that I had heard a little bit about and knew there were some amazing professionals working in, but didn't know quite how to get myself in there to, to learn more about what was going on. So we became research participants um, so that we could kind of learn more about what the research department was doing, learn more about our own kids um, and kind of become more aligned with things going on at Holland Blurview because after speaking to other families we realized that there was a lot of really good work being done here and a lot of innovation being done here and I just wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So Adrian, you pointed out that you have two daughters. Yeah. Um, focusing on the daughter who's been diagnosed with ASD, mm-hmm. I wanted to find out before she was assessed was ASD on your radar? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Well, I shouldn't say that. It wasn't before we started talking to the uh, pediatrician who um, ended up diagnosing her. Uh-huh. Um, the The process of, di- of diagnosing her took a number of visits. And when we first saw her, um, she observed uh, my daughter, Amira, And we had a long chat and we were in the office for, I would say, two hours. Uh, And at the end of that conversation, she posed the idea that we will need to query autism. And so that that was the first time I had ever heard the word. The first time. The very first time. Um, And that was scary. Um, And then at that point, I started thinking, connecting the dots and things started to make more sense. But prior to that, no, we'd thrown around is she deaf? You know, is there, that to be honest was the only, only specific thing that we could come up with because of her lack of attention to her name. Um, so yeah, before that meeting with the pediatrician, no. wasn't on your radar at no, all. Okay. At all. <laughs> 
Can you tell us about going for that assessment? What were you expecting and how were you feeling? Uh, to be honest, that assessment I was excited about mm -hmm. because her case was one of those that was subtle and she was and she was young. So mm -hmm. I heard many, many times, oh, well, she's only two, you know, um, it's, you know, it's hard to figure these things out and kids so little is what I was, what I was told when we were in our primary care setting. Um, but I knew in my gut something was different. She was our second child. So I appreciated the fact that yes, kids are different, but she just seemed more different than I expected. And that, and other people around us were noticing little things and kind of cocking their head and going, hmm, it's, you know, it's different. Um, and so I had to push quite hard to get the referral from our primary care to the pediatrician um, because even the primary care physician wasn't so sure that, that the referral to the pediatrician was necessary. So I was actually kind of excited to get to that uh, pediatrician thinking like, okay, now, you know, hopefully we're working with someone who is really going to dig into the subtleties of things. Mm -hmm. um, that changed when I heard the word autism, but initially I was just happy to get to someone who was going to kind of get into the nitty gritty. Right. Yeah. So you said like that, so it changed the yep. excitement. What did it change to? Uh, fear uh, and, and feeling overwhelmed when I heard the word autism. Um, mostly fear initially because what I knew of autism, which was little to none, yeah. and what I knew of my daughter didn't seem to correlate. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, what? Like, no, how, how, what? And it was just a scary proposition to think that what I knew of autism and what I knew of my daughter would be correlated. Yeah. You mentioned, so in your gut, you said yeah. you felt that there were differences. Yep. What were you noticing? <laughs> she was very independent. Um, which I was grateful for because <laughs> my kids are 16 months apart. So it was difficult to manage two babies. Um, but she just was, was, I think, overly so, overly independent. Um, she didn't always um, respond to her name, which was pretty clear. Um, in hindsight, and this is only in hindsight, I can remember when she first stood up, I got super excited and I looked into her eyes to see, to, to, you know, to gesture to her, oh my goodness, and to share that excitement. And I remember distinctly her not making eye contact with me and not being terribly excited about the fact that she'd stood up for the first time um, and feeling a little bit disappointed, but thinking to myself, oh, she's different, quote unquote. Right. Um, yeah. If you, and now that I know the things to look for, I, she didn't point when she was a young kid. There are a number of things that I can say now, but initially it was that, you know, lack of response reliably and just being very independent and very sensitive. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because you're pointing out, like you said, like subtle differences, yeah. right? So that you as a parent who's with her for a long period of time might have been noticing, but going to your primary caregiver who's seeing her for like a short period of time might not have noticed. No. Yeah. What kind of support did you have while you were you and your family were waiting for the assessment and then while you were actually going through it? Hmm. While we were waiting for the assessment, we were given we were given resources in the form of like documents to read, 
websites to go to, books to read. Um, but that was the extent of it. Um, I did my own research and I, um, I didn't do much reaching out at that point because we were so confused as to whether this was the direction we were going or not. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a whole lot, to be honest. Um, I wish there had been more, but that was, it was, you know, some paperwork and, you know, your appointment is in four months and, you know, that body will be better at um, teasing out whether this is where she is or not. Sounds kind of like being in limbo. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely in limbo. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a difficult thing to manage emotionally because you, it's hard to talk about whether your kid may or may not um, have autism because then you have to wrestle with um, disclosing that to people and whether you're ready to, to even have that conversation about um, if they are, what that would mean and how that you know, whoever you're disclosing it to might react to that discussion. So we, my husband and I found that we didn't really talk much about, um, you know, the concerns and the confusion and the stress that we were having that was associated with, does she? Because we thought if we're going to have this conversation with people, we want to be sure because it felt like that cat that if you let it out of the box, you can't get it back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, it kind of makes it sound like you and your husband were like this island yep. together. Yes, very much so. Uh, I think there was one other. My very best friend um, was the only person that I kind of spoke to about the query of autism before we got, got the diagnosis. Um, and yeah, I just, I think I, I hadn't, it took a long time to kind of accept it and to appreciate it. Uh, and so when I first learned of the query, it, it was definitely not something I could speak about easily with anybody other than my husband and my best friend. Yeah. Can I yeah. ask, how long were you waiting? Mm -hmm. So that period between we're going to refer you to someone who's going to look into autism and when you had that very first appointment, what was that wait? <sighs> it was about, so from my primary care to my pediatrician it was about three months mm. and then it was another two months uh, until the pediatrician did the diagnosis mm -hmm. yeah so really kind of half a year yep yeah <laughs> yeah it was a long it felt like a long time and it felt the longest when we knew that autism was a query because then you start reading and you look at the websites and you you know, you, 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 you hear about the research associated with ABA and how much you're supposed to do and at what intensity and how if you do it earlier, you're more likely to have better results. And so every day feels uh, like you are letting go of, of opportunity and the guilt associated with if I don't do this now, you know, I may significantly affect her future that that weighs heavily on parents that was that was those days were the worst when we knew this may be uh her fate and um feeling as a parent like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do to get her what she needed yeah I can imagine that would be hard 
Adrian, what do you remember about when you actually heard the words being said that that your daughter was being diagnosed with ASD? When she was being diagnosed with ASD, I it sounds really strange, but I was relieved mm-hmm. because we'd had a discussion about, you know, it could be ASD, it could be global developmental delay which was explained to me as, you know, a constellation of delays that we don't really understand um, and don't have really specific treatments for. Um, And that seemed a scarier place to be for us. So, and as I, you know, learned that autism may be what she ended up having, you know, I started reading and checking the boxes. And in my mind, it, it didn't make sense that it would be anything other than ASD once I had read a lot and lo- and kind of pieced things together. So at that point, I was very relieved to hear it. When it was first introduced to me, I was incredibly scared and, and um, upset and sad and angry and uh, like a f- myriad of emotions. Uh, because it was something I had never thought about before and didn't know, I didn't have any personal um, relation to someone uh, with autism spectrum disorder. So I, it sounds embarrassed to say that, you know, the movie Rain Man was probably the only reference that I had to autism, which is horrible, but that's the way it was. So back then it was very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. You really, I mean, it really sounds like it was such a mix of emotions, yeah. but at the same time that there was some sort of like relief in, in knowing, right. Versus the unknown, oh, right. Absolutely. Ruling out other things. And, and then if it's not ASD, then what is going on? Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And knowing that there, you know, there is somewhat of a pay, a path that's been paved. So there are, you know, reasonably well-organized uh, treatment protocols that we can look to. And yes, we will have to choose from a myriad of different options, but at least there are, is, is something out there with a label uh, and a treatment associated with it. Yeah. I always, one of the things that always strikes me um, is that you get a diagnosis as a parent and that's not necessarily the end of your journey. In some ways, that's the beginning of a whole other journey. (laughs) Yeah. It's the very beginning of a very long journey. Yeah. 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 And we're going to get into that a little bit more. Um, If you were, Adrian, if you were able to go back to that clinician that assessed and diagnosed uh, Amira, your daughter, is there anything that you would want to tell him or her today that might help other families in future assessments? The woman who did our diagnosis, I think, did a wonderful job because she allowed for the time in her office and she allowed for the time between sessions. Um, We had three sessions with her, three elongated sessions with her. One was the initial evaluation and then the discussion of this is where this is where I think we're going. Um, the next ended up being the actual diagnosis itself. And then the third at her insistence was my husband and I coming back two weeks after the diagnosis to have a debrief. (laughs) And I remember her saying very clearly, your husband has to come too. And I'm one of those mommies who just 
you know, I think I can do it all. Now I know I can't. Um, but I had, you know, initially thought, no, 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 he's working. He, he won't be able to come. He doesn't need to come. She said, no, 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 he needs to come. <laughs> and we had a discussion and there were tears. And, but I, you know, was much, we were much better able to, to, to uh, understand what our plans would be at the discussion uh, at the third meeting. So I, I, I know it's, you know, it's expensive to spend that amount of time and it is, you know, intensive, but it, um, I think it made the difference in our ability to, um, to get going instead of be frozen in like in fear and grief, which there was a lot of fear and grief period, but we weren't frozen in the way that I think we could have if it was a very kind of down and dirty in and out here you go kind of process. Yeah. And so there was real value in having your husband come to that session, eh? Yeah, there was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was. Yep. There's only so much you can relay after the fact you being there's, there's, yeah, being there, there's so such value in that. Yeah. And what would you tell a parent who's currently waiting for their child to be assessed? I would say as much as you can and feel comfortable to to read and to become familiar uh, with the with things that you might start to appreciate in your own child because some things are so subtle and the question and when you get to the office and you're having the assessment sometimes the questions they ask are questions that you may not have thought to think of or look for and so if you haven't done that pre-work, sometimes the questions can feel, um, well, you just, you, you feel badly because you haven't looked for those things. You haven't thought of those things. And sometimes you can come up with the answers. Like when someone asked me, did she point? I stopped for a moment and then went, oh goodness, no, she didn't point. But there are other questions where I thought, where I knew because I'd been looking for them and either had seen something or not seen something, um, that I was better able to give information that would be helpful to the diagnosis. So I think just knowing what to look for and kind of being your own detective with your child um, helps. And then it, it, you know, it helps to appreciate that maybe some of the things that uh, are more difficult about the behaviors associated with autism um, are not necessarily just because your kid is a, a, a quote-unquote bad kid or a hard kid or it, it's part and parcel with a lot of the difficulties that kids have with autism. So tantrums or self-injurious behavior, that sort of, as soon as I started to learn that that wasn't just because I, you know, didn't feed her the right food at the right time. It was because, you know, she was overloaded with a flood of emotions because of her inability to communicate at that point. Uh, there, I took a, a, some of the pressure off myself to think that I could just change everything or I wasn't parenting properly. Um, so that, that, that was helpful. And that all came with just kind of learning and reading and taking in as much as I could um, in, in, in t- over time. So you just heard a clip taken from a conversation we had with Adrian in an upcoming episode on receiving an ASD diagnosis. If you would like to hear more from Adrian, please join us in episode three, where she shares more about her experience as a parent of a child with ASD, and she also discusses how her daughter presented when first getting the diagnosis, and how her daughter and family are doing now. We hope you continue to join us as we further explore the process of receiving an ASD diagnosis, and also the journey that follows. 
If you've listened to this episode and have comments or ideas that you'd like to share with us regarding future episodes or what you heard today, feel free to email us at asdengage at hollandbloorview.ca.